You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Tonight's Bible reading is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, and can be found on page 1 of the Pew Bibles or on a Bible app. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed on it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky, all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was the evening and there was the morning, the sixth day. Thanks, Steph. Uh, So the series that we're doing uh, over this term is a series called Who Am I? And we're thinking about our identity. Who are we as human beings? Who are we as people? And we're wanting to track through the story of the Bible and think about what does the Bible teach us to help us understand ourselves, to understand our identity and who we are. So we kicked this off last week, starting at the beginning of the Bible, with the most fundamental thing that you can probably say about us as human beings, which is that we are created beings. So we talked about the fact that if you think about every single thing that is in existence throughout the entire universe, in fact, In heaven and on earth, you can put them into two neat categories. On the one hand, there is God, and on the other hand, there is everything that God has made. And things fit in one or other of those categories only, and we are in the second category. Part of our identity, a fundamental part of our identity, is that we relate to a God who has created us. We are made, and we talked about the fact that we share a certain continuity connectedness, kinship with the rest of creation. Uh, Now that might leave us with a key question to answer, which we want to look at today, and that is the question, so if we are a part of the creation and connected with the rest of the creation, in what sense are we different as human beings? In what sense are you special? What's so special about you as a human being in creation? Uh, are you much more than an early bird or a worm? Challenge accepted. Thank you. Uh, Or, as it was put to me, when I was on a QA and a panel at the University of Sydney, I was sitting there answering questions, a bunch of veterinary students, very smart vet students, 
One student asked the question, why is it that Christians think that human beings are so special? Why are human beings so different to chimpanzees? Good question. As I said last week, we share over 97% of our DNA coding with a chimpanzee. So in what sense are human beings different or special or unique versus the rest of the creation that God has made? And we're going to look today at the, the expression that the Bible uses to speak about the uniqueness and special character of humanity, that we are made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. Uh, That's the expression that was used in the reading that uh, Steph brought to us from Genesis 1.26. The context for this, of course, it's great when you have a Bible reading and you say it's on page one of the Bible. You know, you're right at the start. God is creating merely by speaking. He creates the the earth and the sky and then he fills uh, the sky, the sun and the moon and the stars, the plants and animals, uh, birds for the air, fish for the sea, animals all over the land. And there's quite a rhythm to the creation account that we see in Genesis 1. God speaks and it happens and it's good. And you've got this sort of rhythm happening quite quickly as God is creating. But you get to verse 26 and it's almost like we take a breath and we pause and the rhythm slows and God gets self-reflective for a second. We're reaching a climax here within the creation account. And we read these words. Let us make mankind or humankind in our image, in our likeness. That's God speaking. Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, let's unpack that for a little bit because you might ask, the the first question you might have is, who's the us? We've got God here creating And all of a sudden, God's speaking in the plural, let us, in our image, our likeness. Who's the us? Is God addressing the angels? Is this like like the queen speaking, like a royal we? We are not amused, right? The queen, she's just talking about herself, but because she's so royal and special, she sort of speaks in plurals. We are not amused. Is is that what God's doing because he's so special? Or do we have here the first hint on page one of the Bible that that God is actually relationship in and of himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God speaking amongst himself, the three persons in one, the Trinity relationship. I kind of lean towards that, that last view, that even here we get that first glimpse in the Bible that God in and of himself is relational, relationship in his very character uh, as he prepares to create humans. The other question that you might have as you read that is, what's the difference between image and likeness? Sometimes people think, they try and say, well, image is talking about this, likeness is talking about this. They're just parallel. Often in Hebrew, uh, you get this, where it's expressed one way and it's said a similar way, but to say the same thing. Um, They mean the same thing. And the reason I think that is because as you read on uh, a few chapters in Genesis, they're used kind of interchangeably. So here's an example. In Genesis 5, verse 1, that verse will be on the screen, uh, we read, When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. That's just used to cover both expressions. And then in 5, uh, 3, we read, 
When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, in his image, and he named him Seth. So you've got these two terms, and throughout the Bible they're kind of interchanged or they're paired together, but they're to mean the same thing. The idea is, think about, you look at a mirror, what do you see back? You see your own reflection coming back. In some sense, which we'll need to unpack a bit more, God is saying, as I come to the creation of humanity, I want them to reflect me and my character in, in a certain way. In the same way that a mirror shows you back who you are, humans are made to reflect God, to image God, to be like God and to show his character and ways in the world. Now, what you see here also in this verse while we're in Genesis 5 is that this idea of the image or likeness of God is, is passed on from one generation to the next. Uh, Adam's son Seth is in his image and likeness as he is in the image and likeness of God. And so the image of God, what we're saying here, is something that is a universal human characteristic. Every single human being is made in the image of God and reflects God's likeness. Even after humans have rejected God's good rule over them, gone their own way and disobeyed God, we'll look at that in a couple of weeks' time, even though people don't live the way that God wants them to live and accurately reflect all of the good character of God, it is still true to say, and the Bible consistently says, that all people are made in the image of God. It's not lost, despite our sin, our rebellion, uh, the way that we are a bit broken and fallen and damaged, we still image God and all people are made in God's image. You see that going on a bit further in Genesis even more clearly. In Genesis 9, which is the story of Noah, the guy that builds the big boat and packs it full of animals, in Genesis 9, verse 6, God says, Whoever sheds human blood, whoever kills a human being, by humans shall their blood be shed. There'll be punishment if you kill another human being. And the reason is, for in the image of God has God made humankind. Why can't you kill another person? Why can't you just go out and assassinate someone? Because that person is made in God's image. They reflect God. They're precious and they have dignity. And so you can't just do that. Every single person is made in the image of God. And it actually forms the basis for the way that we live. We'll have a bit of a look at that as we go on as well. It's also clear in Genesis 1, back to Genesis 1 and verse 27, that both men and women are made in the image of God. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So men and women together reflect the image of God. This is one of the, the clearest expressions uh, right up front on page one of the Bible of the equality of men and women. So anything, any suggestion that somehow men and women are not equal to one another goes right against the grain of what the Bible is saying on page one and onwards, that men and women both reflect God and are in the image of God. 
young and old, men and women, whatever race you might come from, all people, every single human is in the image of God and reflects the likeness of God and therefore has an inherent dignity to who they are because they image God. We're image bearers together. Who are you as you seek to understand yourself and to know your identity? You are made in God's image. You are made to reflect the very character of God in your person. You are like God, made in his likeness. Uh, And therefore you have dignity and you have worth because you're made in that image of God. Okay, that's wonderful, Tim. But what does it actually mean? (laughs) Like what is it that is being spoken about here when we talk about the image of God? Uh, Can you unpack it and speak in more concrete terms about exactly what it's saying about the uniqueness of human beings? There's been three main approaches, uh, kind of picking up different aspects of what we read in the Bible here to try and understand and unpack it. So I'm going to talk through them one by one, uh, and then we can sort of critique it in our minds together and think about whether it works or not. So the first sort of view is that, okay, what we need to do to understand what the image of God is, we need to work out what attributes, what characteristics that humans have that maybe aren't shared by the rest of creation, particularly animals, right? So if, again, to use the same example, if human beings share over 90% of their DNA coding with chimpanzees, where does the difference lie? Can we locate in that less than 3% a difference? And if we can nail that difference, there's the image of God. That's what this viewpoint sort of saying, is it some attribute? And so people often say, well, it's about intelligence or rationality, right? Humans can think in a way that other animals don't have that capacity. So maybe the image of God is that God gives us intelligence or rationality. Um, In modern science, one of the key things that they focus on that humans have that other animals don't have is complex language. So is it the complexity of language able to express ideas that we have that they don't? There is the image of God. What do you reckon? Anyone see a problem with that? What about this? Does that mean if someone is, someone's, if you follow this logic, if someone is more intelligent than another person, are they more in the image of God than that other person? What about someone who's mentally handicapped? Or if a person develops dementia, their, their thinking starts to go uh, more erratic, does that mean that they are no longer image bearers. They're no longer in the image of God and worthy of the dignity of an image bearer. What about a newborn child who can't think and all they can do is poo and cry, right? They they really do very little. I've had three of them. Um, Does that mean that they are not in the image of God? See, this sort of view where you're looking for some attribute, if if you push it hard enough, you see it doesn't quite work and it actually undermines the basis uh, for treating people with dignity, if that's the case. So a second point of view is, okay, uh, relationships is what's being spoken about here in the image of God. That's pretty key, as we've seen in the Bible passage. So God says, uh, let us make humankind. God's relational character is on view here. 
Um, and men and women are both in the image of God, so relationship is there front and centre. You need men and women made in the image of God. People say maybe the idea of being made in God's image is that we're made for relationship, to relate to God, to relate to each other, and to relate to the creation that God has made. Um, that's certainly pretty good because uh, at the heart of God, God's personhood, um, who God is, is relationship. So it makes sense that in our relationships we are to reflect God. But what is it about humans you know, that, that's, that's different and you can nail down in terms of the image? Is it just to say, well, we've got the capacity for relationships? Or do you need to actually say what specific things has God given us that allows us to have relationships that can fill that out a bit more? The third sort of approach is to say, well, maybe it's about the role that God has given us. Again, that's on view here. Um, if you look there in uh, verse uh, 26, as soon as God has said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, he gives humans a job to do. The reason that they're made in the image and likeness of God is so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. It's the idea of being an image bearer that we are rulers in the world under God's rule, that he puts us with this job to do, that the image of God is more about a role that we play or a function that we perform. Uh, you see that repeated down in verse 28 as well, where there's this idea of ruling well in God's world. And it's an idea that's expressed in other parts of the Bible. So in, in Psalm 8, for example, we read this, the words are on the screen. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Humans that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Now that psalm doesn't mention the image of God or the likeness of God. That language isn't there. But it does talk about the pride of place that humans have within the creation in the same way that Genesis 1 does. And it emphasises again the role that we have to play to care for God's creation, to be rulers over God's work uh, and to play that role in his world. This sort of viewpoint does tie in with other things that we know uh, around the time that Genesis was written in similar cultures around there. So in other ancient Near Eastern cultures, like in Egypt and Mesopotamia, it uses the language of the image of God for kings within those cultures. So the king is described as the, in the image of God, and they rule over their realms and uh, reflect God and are given honour like God because they are in the image of God. And also uh, idols, like figures, carved figures, were also kind of considered images of God and people would give due honour and respect to the idol as a way of honouring God, so that image reflecting God. Now, notice how the Bible's different here, right? It's not just one person, the king, the ruler, who is in the image of God and everyone pays respect to them. The Bible says every single person is in the image of God. So you look at everyone around this room, 
It's not just that they have to be the king or the ruler, but every single person whose eyes you look into reflects God's character and is worthy of honour. It universalises the idea. And also, this is part of the reason that the Bible is so opposed to creating idols of gold or silver or carved out of wood, because we don't need them, because God has idols or images everywhere throughout the world. Every single person is a reflection of God and who he is. So why would you carve a lifeless figure when there are people everywhere to look at and to see this reflection of God and his character? Ultimately, I think the approach that we've got to take is a combination of these three things. I think it only works if you put all these things together. Um, I think primarily it's about the role that God gives us in the context of Genesis 1. I think it's talking about being good rulers under God and caring for the world that he has given us to care for. But it's relational. We do it alongside each other. None of us are are flying solo here. It's about humanity's shared responsibility and it's always done in relationship with God. He's the ultimate ruler of the world and we work under him. And God does give us capacities to do the job. God wouldn't just give us a role to do and say get on with it if he wouldn't give us capacities to actually be able to rule well together. I don't think you can embed it in one particular attribute and say that's it, but it's the whole class of attributes, the the gifts that God has given us so that we can do the job that he's given us to do and do it together. There's a lot in that, I understand that, but I think it's really important for us to unpack this and think about our identity together. Who are you? You are made in God's image to reflect his character and as such you have a role to play. You are to rule well, to care for the creation that God has made. You're to do it in relationship with other image bearers, in good relationship with them and in relationship with God. You are to use the gifts and the skills that he has given you to play your role in the world. What does it mean? What does it mean for you this week as you go out to school or to work or wherever you go to know that people are made in the image of God? Three things. The first thing, as we've already talked a bit about, is that it means that all human beings... Every single person that you come into contact with has worth and has dignity. Any person that you pass in the street, whether they're young or old, a man or a woman, whatever race they're from, they are an image bearer and they are worthy of dignity and respect. This is actually a fundamental part of our ethics or the way that we we behave in the world and it has been profoundly shaped by the Bible, by this Christian understanding of being made in the image of God. So we saw in Genesis 9, why is it that you don't kill another person? Because they're made in God's image and you don't kill an image bearer of God. But the Bible also unpacks it in in smaller ways than just murder. So an example is in James, the book of James, chapter 3. He uses this idea of being people in God's image and likeness to say that should shape the way you speak to people. So he says, with the tongue, with the way we speak, we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He's pointing about out the contradiction here. How can you sing songs and praise God and say how great are you God and then turn to a person who is 
in the likeness of God and tear them down or bully them or swear at them? How can you, how can you do that? It doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. So when you go out this week to all of those contexts, look at each person that you pass and say to yourself, that person is made in God's image and therefore the way that I relate to them must take into account their inherent dignity and worth as being made in the image of God. Even people who annoy you and give you a hard time, bite your tongue. Use your tongue well as you speak to someone who is an image bearer and has inherent dignity. I've been reading a book uh, recently by, uh, called The Book That Changed Your World, speaking about the Bible. It's a book that our, the Giffords, our link missionaries, recently returned from Spain, gave to our church community and recommended we, we read. And it's written by an Indian, an Indian man who's become a Christian. And the reason he became a Christian is he looked around his society and the way that people were treated differently, the different caste system in India, where some people have more worth than other people, and there's these outcasts right at the bottom that no one wants to have anything to do with. And when the Christian missionaries came in, driven by this understanding that every person is made in the image of God, they cared for and they loved the lowest of the lows because they're image bearers. Like Mother Teresa, caring for people uh, on the streets of Calcutta, people who uh, no one wanted anything to do with because of her Christian faith, she saw in them the image of God and wanted to care for them and love them. Don't underestimate how powerful this idea has been in shaping our society and a lot of the beliefs that our society has around human beings and how important they are comes from the Bible, even if it's not recognised how powerful this idea of people being image bearers are. So the first thing is the absolute worth of every single human being. The second thing is if a key part of being an image bearer is ruling well over God's creation then it should mean that we take very seriously the way that we care for the world and the decisions that we make day by day, week by week, in terms of our impact on the creation. One of the sad things in Christian history is that this passage has been used by Christians sometimes to sort of say, oh, well, God's given us rule, or the old word, dominion over the creation, so we can do whatever we want. We can take and we can pillage and we can use the world however we want. Right? That is totally out of step with what is being said here, isn't it? Because God is the one in charge and he lovingly creates the world and then he says to humans, I want you to rule over it under me. Like He doesn't mean trash it and do whatever you want. We're still responsible to God and any decision that we make and anything we do within the creation in terms of our care for it, we're answerable to him and we're supposed to be taking good care of the good creation that God has made. So the decisions we make in terms of climate change and how we try and work against human-caused climate change is part of us being image bearers. Being an image bearer means you have a responsibility in terms of the decisions you make. We have a responsibility in taking care of God's creation. It lies at the heart of our identity, actually, that we should be people who care well for the good creation that God has made. Lastly, the last thing. 
If you want to be a good image bearer, if you want to reflect God's character as well as you can and live it out in the world, you need to look at Jesus. You need to look at Jesus. Colossians 1.15 puts it like this. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The Bible uses this language that when you look at Jesus, you are seeing the perfect example of what an image bearer looks like. Here in this human being, he's fully God, but he's fully human, he represents what true humanity looks like, what it actually looks like to reflect God's character in the way that we live. So Jesus rightly exercises rule over the creation. He calms storms. He's able to do the right thing in terms of when he, when he lives in creation, bringing calm and peace to the creation that God has made. When, Jesus, when you read through the Gospels and you look at the way that Jesus treats other people, he always treats them with dignity and respect. He goes to people with skin diseases that no one wants to touch and he touches them and he restores dignity to people who've been cast out of society. He has conversations with, with women, like the woman at the well, that why are you, why are you talking to that, that woman? You shouldn't be doing that. You're a man. But Jesus actually relates to, uh, as a, uh, to women as a man in a way which treats them as an image bearer, treats them with dignity, treats them with respect. And in all of the interactions, read through the Gospels and you look at the way that you are supposed to treat other people as an image bearer, you see it in Jesus and the way that he does it. And of course, Jesus always lives in right relationship with his heavenly Father, committing everything that he does to prayer, making sure that he's aligned with the will of his heavenly Father, living in that good relationship as well. If you want to be the best image bearer that you can be, look at Jesus and model yourself on him and become more and more like him. Uh, Romans 8.29 For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. If you're becoming more like Jesus... If you are modelling Jesus more and more and living his way day to day, you're actually becoming more and more like God. As you're conformed to the image of his son, you're conformed to the image of God and you are living out your humanity as true, more and more truly as you could possibly be as you model yourself on Jesus. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Model yourself on him. Model your interactions, your relationship with people, your relationship with creation, your relationship with God. And you will be living out your true identity as an image bearer of God. Can I invite the band up as I pray? God, thank you that we really are worth something in your eyes that we're made in your image, we're made to reflect your character. Thank you, God, for the pride of place that you give us in your world and help us to live it out well. Help us to love and care for other people as fellow image bearers. Help us to be good stewards, good carers 
of the creation that you've given us in the decisions that we make and help us to rightly recognise your place as our ruler and king, the one that we look to. And we thank you for Jesus. We do thank you for Jesus who we love and serve and thank you that he is the perfect model for us for what it means to be an image bearer, to live out our humanity. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.